says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. everyone. Good, I hope. Just a few announcements this morning, and then we'll jump into James chapter 1 as we continue our series in James. Uh, so today there are no bulletins. We are sorry about that. We're having uh, computer difficulties, so we're going old school. I just had a piece of paper. So old school it is. I told Tracy we need to get, um, I don't know if you remember them. If you're a school teacher, you definitely do. Um, overhead, an overhead projector where I could just project it onto the wall. Uh, go old school. So, sorry about that. Um, we will put these online when Tracy gets home. She will upload them from her house. Uh, so, if you need to see the bulletin, it will be on our Facebook account uh, by this afternoon. Uh, just uh, three announcements, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into God's holy word this morning. The first announcement, next Saturday from 3.30 to 4.30, uh, here at the building, um, Miss Jerry will be doing a VBS workers meeting. So, if you're participating in VBS, uh, any of the workers, please be here next Saturday at 3.30 to 4.30. She will kind of walk through all that will happen at VBS. Um, so if you have any, any uh, questions about that, find me, find her, and we'll get you the answers to that. Following that meeting at 4.30, we'll have another family game night. That will be 4.30 to 8. Uh, just bring your favorite game and a snack to share, and the church will buy, provide all the uh, drinks and cups and stuff like that. So game night next Saturday. 4.30 to 8 again here at the building. And last but not least, we uh, continue to ask and invite all of you to come to our Wednesday night prayer gathering and Bible study. Uh, that starts uh, at 6.30 uh, down in the fellowship. This week, this might be uh, a reason you'll want to come. It's fried chicken and potato. Uh, so that's again, is our prayer meeting uh, next Sunday evening. 6, six o'clock, that's a 6.30. Oh, sorry, uh, one of those mornings already. Six o'clock here at the building. I've been doing this forever. You'd think I'd know what time we start our prayer service. We start the prayer service at 6.30. We start dinner at six o'clock. I knew, I, I'm not that foolish. I mean, I'm foolish, but not that foolish. Yeah, the more, most important part is not the food, it's the food. Uh, I digress. Let, let me pray for us and get started before we really uh, get sidetracked here. Let's pray together. Let's just take a moment to quiet our hearts and our minds and ask God to give us what he would give to us through his word this morning. God, I'm grateful to gather with your people, uh, your children, uh, to come uh, to feast on your word. We're grateful that your word uh, is the thing that gives us life, is the thing that gives us all the nutrients that we need godliness. So I pray, God, uh, through your Holy Spirit, you would receive it in such a way, God, that would bring, uh, bring us sanctification, that we would become more and more and more like you. And God, as we come to your word this morning and we look at this um, idea of temptation, 
and that lures us into sin, that leads to death. I pray, God, that you would, through the Holy Spirit, let us, uh, in these next 30 to 40 minutes, really look at our lives and be honest with ourselves and honest before you. And we want to be reminded of what your word says, that no temptation has seized us except which is common to man. But God, you are always faithful to provide a way of escape. The first way of escape, God, is through confession to you and confession to one another. Through confession, we pray for one another, for protection from the evil one. So I pray that you would do that work in our hearts this morning. God, we continue as we've been for several months now. We continue to ask that, God, you would lead us and guide us to a youth pastor. God, it's been months now, and uh, we could get discouraged, but we are grateful um, because your timing is not our timing. And yet we know and believe this, your timing is perfect. So when that day arrives, we'll know it's perfect because it comes from you. It is a gift from you. And so... We, we live with open hands and surrender to that. At the same time, we plead that you would provide us with a youth pastor. So lead us this morning, guide us through your holy word. And uh, God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. And that's uh, make us more like you. We look at your word. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. All God's people said, amen. If you have your Bibles turn, as Jared read just a few moments ago, James chapter 1. If you haven't been with us for the last several weeks, we're walking through this letter uh, that James wrote to the Jewish people that had been dispersed uh, all over the world. And he's writing them as a way of encouraging them. Uh, they are under um, just wicked persecution. And so in their persecution, they can become discouraged. And he starts us out in James chapter 1 talking about these trials, this persecution that they're going through. And he's trying to encourage them. And encouraging them, he says, let us find joy in our trials. And then he's been walking us through, is he's going to get us ready for the next several chapters about that. About the joys that come with our trials, but then the joy that comes out of living this godly life that he's called us to. And so in that, we want to look and find our own joy through these trials. Here in James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15, he is going to make this shift. He's going to make this shift in this passage uh, about going from trials to temptation. And it may seem like when he goes from trials to temptations, like how is he weaving this together? But as you know, and we looked at last week, oftentimes our trials can lead us to temptation because the temptation is to get out of the trials. And so James is going to address that here this morning. I don't know about you, and I don't know where you're at in your journey and where you're at in your trials and temptations, but if you're like me, my temptation is often to get out of my trial. What I mean by that, my temptation is to find relief from the trials. And in finding relief, I'll often go to sinful places that's going to warn us. So I want to look at two things this morning. I want to look at the source of the temptation. And then I want to look at what that temptation does and the, the course of the temptation. If we don't put a barrier from the temptation, what will happen? James makes it clear what's going to happen if we don't overcome 
the temptation that we're facing, it's going to lead somewhere, as you heard Jared read a few moments ago. So let's first look at the source of our temptation. He starts in verse 13. James says this, Let no one say when he is tempted. Catch the word. If you have your Bibles, circle the word when. He doesn't say if you're tempted. He says when. He said all of us will be tempted. It's what I prayed in my prayer. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. All of us face temptation. All temptation is common to man. So every one of us in this room will face temptation. Most likely, you're either tempted in this very moment, or when you leave here, you will be tempted. I'll be tempted at lunch to have too much ice cream if we go to Jason's. I'll, I'll want to go to round two. But like that, that place is wicked for putting that little ice cream machine there. Who cares about the salad bar? Let's get to the ice cream machine. Am I the only one? It's got free ice cream. You don't even have to pay for it. Jason's Deli. I'm just saying, free commercial to Jason's. And I digress. Anyway, there is always going to be that temptation. So look at your life. And so he says, when you are tempted, let no one say what? That he's being tempted from the Lord. How often in your life and in my life, if we're honest with ourselves, blame God for our temptation? Blame God for our sin. If God would have just blanked, I wouldn't have blanked. Now, that's kind of how it looks like. We don't come out and say, it's God's fault that I do sin. But we will say, if God would have just protected me, then that wouldn't have happened. If God was in control of all things, then he can control me even where I go about where I sin or don't sin. And so James says, hey, let me give, be real clear. The source of your temptation the source of your sin is not God. Now, why would James say that to us? You've got to rewind all the way to Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read the passage. Remember what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve are in the garden. God had put them in the garden. And then God said to them, what? Hey, I'm going to put this tree in the middle of the garden, and you aren't to eat of this tree. And then they, remember the serpent comes and they eat of the tree. And they go and they hide themselves in the bushes. Trying to hide from God. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 13. And then they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. That was their first mistake. You cannot hide from God in your sin. That's impossible. So they try to hide from the presence of God. And the Lord God was among the tree of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? What are you doing? What are you trying to hide from me? What's going on in you? And look at his response. And he said, Adam said to God, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And then God said in verse 11, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And now look what Adam does. Adam says, hey, the source of my sin, the source of this problem is who? 
He says, the man said, the woman you gave to me, it's her fault. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. Look at what he does. It's what man has been doing since the beginning of time after the very first sin. Are we not quick to blame others for our sin? He, Adam, like he just throws the big old blanket on both people. God, it's your fault and it's her fault. It's your fault because you gave me her. That's in essence what he says. The woman that who gave him. So he's not just blaming Eve for his sin. He's blaming the creator of the world for his sin. So I would venture to say all of us in this room, because we come from Adam, when we sin, we want to cast blame on other people. Am I the only one? I mean, if not, it's going to be real lonely in here. Again, if Jenny hadn't, or if the kids hadn't, or if the, my boss hadn't, or if the, if the, if the. And what James is saying to us is this. It's not God's fault, and it's no one else's fault. We know that it's not God's fault because of this. Well, here's before I get there, I want to read what the Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says. He says this in Proverbs 19, and this is so true in our lives. Proverbs 19.3 says this. When a man's folly brings him to ruin, when a man's sinful nature brings him to ruin, what does the heart do? It says this. His heart rages against the Lord. So when our folly brings us to our ruin, automatically the, the writer of Proverbs understands we're not going to rage against ourselves. We're going to rage against the Lord. It's the Lord's fault. But we got to look at the whole of the Bible to know that simply cannot be true. It cannot be God's fault. He is not the source of our temptation. He is not the author of our sin. How do we know that? We know that through a few, I mean a thousand verses. I'm just going to pick three tonight, today. He says this, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. Remember this is where Isaiah is in the throne room of God. And this is what Isaiah sees and hears when the angels look at the presence of God. The angels call to one another and say what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is holy, therefore he cannot sin. The way that the word in the Bible, if you were to dissect it, is this. God is untemptable. He cannot tempt. It's not in his nature. It's not in his character. Because he's holy, he cannot use evil in any way, shape, or form. If you're in Miss Patty's Bible study, you will appreciate this verse. It's from Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13. This is what the prophet Habakkuk says. You who are pure in eyes than to see evil. You cannot even look at wrong. What Habakkuk is saying is, you are too pure to even see and look upon evil. If he can't even see it and look upon it, how can he use it to tempt us? This is what John 
a man that followed Jesus, said about God himself after following Jesus. This is 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message that you have heard from him, Jesus, and that we proclaim to you that God is what? Light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If God is light, there is no darkness. If God is light and there is no darkness, God cannot use darkness to tempt his children. So first we must believe this. When you are tempted and you fall into sin, it is not God's fault. He can tempt no one. So then we must ask ourselves this question, then whose responsibility is it? Now I want you to see where he goes next. It's so important where James goes next. James doesn't now say, okay, because God, it's not God's fault, and the opposite of God is who? We automatically say Satan. He doesn't say, now, let's look at Satan. He says what in the text? He says this in the text. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one, but who is responsible? says this, but each person is tempted when he is lured away and enticed by his what? His own desires. When you are tempted, when I am tempted, we must look at ourselves in the mirror. It is on us. James will later on in the text say about what Satan's relationship is with our temptation. But how often do we cast the buck onto Satan first without looking at our own lives? See, we're, so we're either going to blame God or blame Satan, but we don't want to take responsibility or blame for our own temptation and sin, do we? Now, I'm going to walk a fine line because I'm a counselor and I, I do believe in this model, but even the model of what I'm about to say has its flaws. I'm an addiction counselor. And when I'm working with addicts all day, the, the model is it's a disease. And I believe that to be true. But within the disease model of addiction, the one that has the disease must take responsibility of what they do with their actions. I can't just blame, well, I'm an alcoholic. It's, it's alcohol's fault. I must look at my own life to say, what is taking me to those desires that leads me to sin? So this morning, we, the source of our temptation, the source of our sin starts with us, not with God, not with Satan, not with anyone else. Here's how we know that to be true and how we must take responsibility for our temptation, which leads to sin. It's what Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. This is what Jesus says. He says, for within, within us, out of the what? The heart of a man comes what? He says, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within the person that defiles him. So James is going to 
piggyback. Remember what I said, James is often going to piggyback on what Jesus said. Here again, we see James saying, you and I must take responsibility for our temptation and our sin. I promise this at the end, I'm going to get to some application. Then how do we avoid temptation and sin? Because if we're all, and James is going to say this here in the text, he says two things, that all of us and our temptation are what? We're are lured and enticed. That imagery has, I'm not a fisherman. If you're a fisherman, that's what he's talking about. Like when you try to lure a fish out of the, the weeds or seaweed, whatever it's called, a big, a, a largemouth bass, you're going to throw in a lure. And that lure is meant to, in, to bring that fish out of its safe place, and then what does it do? It entices it as it swims around, and then what happens to the largemouth bass when it's lured and enticed away? It bites onto the hook, and what happens? It's caught. And once you're caught, you're not getting off the hook. If you set that hook properly, that fish is not getting off. That is what James is talking about. In our own sin, in our own temptation, we're like a fish that gets lured and enticed, and then we're caught. And then James says, now let me tell you what happens once you're caught. And this is the next passage ought to make all of us shudder with great fear and trembling. He says, how come you were lured and you're enticed by what? Your own desires. Not the world's desires. Not their desires. But whose desires? Your desires. That word desires has this idea of lust. It's not sexual lust. It's this lust that I must have more. Which says to us, if we must have more, we're not trusting in the one that has all of it for us. God himself. And now James says, this is what happens when your own desires lure you, entice you, and catch you. He says this in verse 15. He says, here's your own desires. And now then desire the very thing that enticed you. When you have those desires and you're enticed by those desires, he says, that desire, when it is conceived, so he's now he's using this birth analogy. Think about conception for a mom and a baby. When this plus this come together, birth happens. Life happens. Now what he says is, when these things come together, your desires, it's going to conceive and give birth to sin. So when you have a desire and you go to meet your desire, that desire and the meeting of the desire bring forth sin. And then he says this, and then when sin is fully grown, it does what? It brings death. So desire that's not brought to the Lord and surrendered and met by my own actions lead to sin. Desire in and of itself or temptation in and of itself is not the sin. It's what we do with the temptation or desire. 
Like all of us are going to walk around. We're going to be tempted. We're human beings. There is always going to be temptation. It's what do we do with the temptation? And if we don't surrender our temptation over to the one that has all power and control, that what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that all temptation is common to man. But what God is what in the temptation? He is faithful to provide a way out or a way of escape from the temptation. So yes, we'll all be tempted, but our temptation doesn't have to lead to sin. But my temptation will lead to sin if I do not surrender the desire. Again, one analogy is this. Sex is a great thing. Amen? But God's word says sex outside of marriage is not a good thing. So there ought to be a desire, a sexual desire in every human being. That's how you're created. But what do we do with the desire that God gave to us? If I decide my desire is more important than what God's word says, then I now am enticed, I'm lured away from God's word, and now I'm going to take actions into my own hands because I don't really believe God's word. Because God's word says sex in marriage is a great thing. Sex outside of marriage is a sinful thing. But we all have to have the desire for sex because it's been given to us. It's what do we do with the desire? We must surrender that desire to the one that created us with the desire. But when we don't, it leads to us taking life in our own hands, meeting our desire, and James says that leads to sin. And then sin, when it's fully grown, leads to what? Death. Is that not what God said to Adam and Eve back in Genesis chapter 2? Remember, he said, hey, all this in this garden is yours. Every tree that bears fruit is yours. That one in the middle, don't eat from it. Because if you eat from it, you are what? surely die. Now he's not just talking about a physical death, though that happens. Right Before those two people ate of that tree, they were meant to live with God and harmony with God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. They were never going to die. But the moment they ate of that tree where God said not to, they died physically, but they also died what? Spiritually. That's why sin is so harmful. Because it kills us spiritually. And the more we sin without confession, the more that we will lose our life over to sin. So desire leads to sin. Sin leads to death. And this is what Jesus says about this whole thing in Matthew chapter 7. You know the text well. He says, enter into the what? The narrow gate. The hard way of life. It's easy to sin. Right? I mean, I could bring Cedar in here and be like, oh, yeah, it's real easy. Just watch him. Five minutes. He might not even make it that long. Tennyson got a little longer. He's a little older. Narrow. Enter into the narrow gate. 
For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to what? Destruction and death. And those who enter it are many. It says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You see, living the Christian life is not easy. This is the hardest thing you'll ever do if you want to live the Christian life. Because living the Christian life means you have to live separate from yourself. Which means you have to live separate from meeting your own desires and waiting upon the Lord to meet you in your desires. Here's what Warren Ryder says about sin. He says this, we must, we must watch our thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Watch your thoughts. Because it leads to your destiny, is what the writer says. Here's what one writer says. He says this, and this is so true, and I think all of us have experienced this. Sin takes you farther than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it costs you more than you're willing to pay. Let me say that again. Sin takes you further than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to be there. And it costs you more than you ever want to pay. It will cost you your life. And so, how do we stay out of temptation? First, we've got to believe that there is one that can keep us from t- temptation, and it's not ourselves. It is God and God alone. Four things I want to say as a way of application. The first one is this. You must know yourself and know your weaknesses. How well do you know your own sin? Again, I'm not saying I'm above this or could do this. You, you come here and you put a pile of cocaine on that. Uh, offering table, the the likelihood of me snorting a line is not very likely. Now you put a six pack on the other side of it, the likelihood of me drinking it and drinking it fast is way higher than the cocaine. I I know myself. I know what's going to lure and entice me away. Again, I went to treatment, so I have to know my sinful behavior. So first, Do you know yourself, and do you know how easily entangled and what you're so easily entangled to? So if you know that, then then the next one, not easy, but it's simple. Then you have to know people, places, and things to avoid. Again, my sex addiction, it's not a good idea for me to go see anything above a, a PG-13 movie that has any hint of sexual immorality in it. But I know myself. And so I want to, at all costs, 
avoid those things. When I got out of treatment, a pastor friend of mine said this to me. I'm like, man, that's not going to work for me. He said, hey, let's go grab a beer together. I'm like, man, I just was in treatment for 90 days. That's, I cannot go there. I, I can't go to a bar. All that that entails, that's for me. Now, I'm not going to put that on anyone else, but I have to know my sin and know what would be so easily, and then i got to avoid those things. Some of us, we have to avoid people. We need healthy people in our lives. If I surrounded myself by unhealthy people, the likelihood of me staying healthy is very slim to almost none. So we must avoid certain people, places, and things. The next is what Peter says in 1 Peter. We must be watchful. How watchful, how vigilant are we about sin? Are we just like, eh? Again, think of it in these ways. If, you, if I said to you, hey, I want you to go to a really dangerous, dangerous neighborhood, you would be really watchful. Probably lock your car, might even carry a weapon. You wouldn't just haphazardly go into town like, oh, okay. You'd be watchful. So how watchful are we in this wicked world? And the last one, most likely, is the most important one. I want you to turn with me to Matthew. Remember, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. We went through a series on the Lord's Prayer several months ago. Remember, his disciples came to him and they asked him how to pray. Of all the things they are ought to pray. Look at the last thing that he says to them to pray. Matthew 6, 13. And he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The last one is this. How much are you praying to the God of all power? not to lead you into temptation and asking God to deliver you from the evil one. So it was a way of application again to stay away from temptation, to stay away from sin so that we will avoid death. You, do you know yourself and your weaknesses for sin? Who in your life and what in your life do you need to avoid? What people, places, and things? How watchful are you being? And what does your prayer life look like around temptation? Let's go back to James chapter 1. I want to read it in the passage in its entirety one last time. James says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with, cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Each person is tempted when he or she is lured and enticed by his or her own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. May God watch over us today. Let me pray for us.